This edition of True Hill Heat is presented by Warrior Wrestling. Go out and order Warrior Wrestling Friday Night Lights, now available on Fight TV, with Brian Cage going one-on-one with Jeff Cobb. Now, without further ado, this is True Heel Heat. Hello, hello, hello. It is me, it is me, your True Heel Phenom, SP3. We are back once again with a new edition, True Heel Heat 87. On this edition of True Heel Heat, we will be discussing a TNT executive and supporter of AEW being out at Warner Media and how that impacts the company. Week 45 of the Wednesday Night War, the latest wrestling news from around the world, and we will list our top 10 10 greatest SummerSlam matches of all time. I am back once again with the princess of all the true heels, Miss Chrissy Love. Hello, 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 everyone. Hello, Miss Chrissy. Welcome back to the show. I hope you're hot and spicy as usual. Always. Never <laughs> and he is not he is not equipped with Mary Jane, but he is back once again, back to back weeks on the flagship show. He is the co-host for Joints and Jabronis, the co-host for Wednesday Night Warriors. <laughs> this is our true heel marijuana enthusiast, Chris G. What's going on, guys? Thank you for having me back. Back to back weeks. Oh yeah. I'm feeling like Drake, baby. <laughs> And we have a very, very, very special guest. I did an interview with him not too far back on True Heels BTR. In my opinion, he is a part of the holy trinity of wrestling journalists. As I call him, the number one wrestling journalist in all the UK. Don't hurt me, Tom Collihill. I'm sorry. I'm giving it to Alex right now. <laughs> he is the, the editor for Talk Sports, the host of Talk Wrestling on Talk sports in the uk this is alex mccarthy sucks compared to bronies like that's what i want hey hey man all you have to do is ask and we can put you on an episode that's it <laughs> yeah, I'll, chuck you, I'll chuck you a little money and take it off your hands any day, man. <laughs> oh. Hey, say less. Those, t- those TV rights. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he sounded like an executive for Water Media. This man's moving up with the world. I love it. Yep. So for our viewers at home who haven't seen our True Hills BTR with you, Alex, please introduce them yourself, what you do, your YouTube channel, and everything that you're doing. You're a busy man, so we appreciate you taking some time here on True Hill Eat. Yeah, so that, as you said, man, I'm the editor for TalkSport in the UK, which is like the biggest uh, national sport radio station we have here, uh, and I've got my own show, Talk Wrestling. Every Monday, uh, 6 to 8 in the UK. So for you Americans, that's like a little lunchtime listen, I think. Um, but yeah, man, uh, I, I generally speak to wrestling stars every week, give or take. Uh, Big E was the one that was in the house this week. Nice. Uh, I think it was Seth Rollins last week or the week before. I can't remember, man. But um, they uh, basically, you can catch them on my show on the website, talksport.com forward slash wrestling. And I'll pop them on YouTube as well. And that's what I do. I just stay busy talking to people and, and giving the people news. I love what you do, and I loved your interview with Big E and Big E telling Booker T, don't throw stones if you live in a glass house. I love Woo! that. I love that little soundbite was perfection. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and to be fair, like you said, how could you argue with that? Like, 
He was literally getting told to get serious by King Booker. (laughs) (laughs) The guy who got a false British accent (laughs) to get his world title in the WWE. Awesome. Awesome stuff, man. I love King Booker, first of all. I I do, too. I do, too. The guy... The guy got over in WWE by spinning on his fucking head, and he wants to talk about getting serious? Come on. So, before we do anything, we, of course, got to shout out our viewers, our subscribers, our supporters of the True Hill Heat YouTube channel and social media. But before that, we have somber news. Of course, uh, this week, unfortunately, we lost one of wrestling's greatest legends, uh, Kamala. So, uh, RIP to Kamala, our thoughts and prayers to his family. This is a, a guy who was one of the one of the like quietly one of the biggest draws in like the early 90s late 80s uh he went he sold out so many house shows with hulk hogan he feuded with the undertaker was in the original casting match with the undertaker back at SummerSlam. i mean at survivor series 1992 uh he versus the undertaker at SummerSlam 1992 this is a man with so much historical significance and i think that we didn't really appreciate him for mm-hmm. the time that he was here so we yep. appreciate him right now so our thoughts and prayers to his family and everyone else and of course go on gofundme.com uh, if you want to support all his family and their funeral expense and everything else going on right there so thoughts and prayers out to them uh true heel roll call transition back to so- calling out you the viewers our supporters of true hill heat our top three conversation starters on our true hills group page on facebook coming in at number three is charles kirkhoff Coming in at number two is our New Japan aficionado, James Wims. And coming in at number one is the Negro Buck, Nick Jackson. Nice. Let's go. 83 weeks straight. Our true heels that we got to shout out, Miguel Sanchez, Brandon Adams, Austin Wright, Silas Turner, Carissa Lizette, Maria Gonzalez. Shouts out to all of you guys. And our YouTube subscriber highlight, we've been calling out a couple of your comments because you guys have been killing the comment section, but most especially Kayfabe Tactics. Kayfabe Tactics, I call the king of our comment section on Going Raw with Drunk Guy JJ episode 12. He says, actually, I watched a bit of Raw this week during the downtown of the NHL NHL playoffs. By the way, congratulations to the Rangers for getting the number one draft pick. Anyways, yeah, this show is trash. (laughs) (laughs) LOL. I think the whole Raw underground can be great, but they have zero creativity and can't make it work. Everyone seems to be really enjoying the women's division, but I grew up on all Japan's women, so this whole women's revolution thing really isn't isn't doing it for me, to be oh. honest. And if you know Kayfay Tactus, he watches everything but WWE. So it's big that he watched <laughs> Monday Night Raw, so we had to shout him out. But he also commented on our True Hills official uh, trailer that aired at the end of the Fight TV pay-per-view Warrior Wrestling Friday Night lights he says everyone on this channel provides great content hit that subscribe button and stick around and see for yourself great people funny jokes a good knowledge they cover pretty much everything so if you're watching wrestling they got you covered so thank you kayfabe tactics for that great comment Uh, and of course nick jackson shouted out you chris g he said glad to see the homie and fellow stoner chris g on (laughs) true hill can't wait to get back in there myself so shout out to nick once again and speaking 
of course, of course. You're 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 your brother in arms. <laughs> so speaking of Warrior Wrestling Friday Night Lights, that leads us into what we missed. What we missed was Friday Night Lights on Friday, August seventh. Brian Cage wins a fatal four way involving Jeff Cobb, Lance Archer, and Sam Adonis. That was a great hard hitting match between four big large dudes. And the Rascals steal the show again at a Warrior Wrestling event, defeating Alex Zane, Blake Christian, and Ben Carter. If you haven't seen Alex Zane before honestly he was the guy that stole the show to me he was a guy that i didn't see that much of and he really is a talented guy and brian pillman jr defeated robert ego anthony with frank the clown in his first successful defense of warrior wrestling of the warrior wrestling title with a jackhammer it was very impressive. That was the True Hill Heat sponsored match. And of course, at the end, they showed our trailer on Fight TV. So we're very proud that we got to close out that great pay-per-view. And thank you to everyone at Warrior Wrestling. Steve Totorello and everyone else. Shouts out to you guys. And... We got to move on to New Japan Pro Wrestling. New Japan Pro Wrestling's Summer Struggle Tour has been kicking off. And, of course, New Japan Strong, their new show on on their their, uh, app, New Japan World. In a battle of chaos members and the Summer Struggle, Ishii, Goto, and Yoshihashi win the never-open-weight six-man tag team titles over Okada, Yano, and Sho, marking Hashi's first title win in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So congratulations to Yoshihashi. He's a guy I give a hard time to all the time. I call him the the Okada without all the talent sometimes. So I gotta give him I gotta give him credit. I gotta give him credit. He got won his first title and he showed a lot of fire going up against Okada. Suzuki Wolverine Shingo. I, j- I just got a tingling sensation just saying those words. Minoru Suzuki versus Shingo Takagi is official for August 29th. Jingo Stadium Show, which is the Summer Struggle finale. And Kenta, Jeff Cobb, David Finley, and Tama Tonga move on in the New Japan Cup USA Tournament. Chris G, you caught this first night of New Japan Strong. What was your thoughts? Uh, Kenta, first and foremost, looked great. It's the best shape I've seen him in three, four years, definitely since his, uh, the beginning of his NXT run. And uh, Tama Tonga, without a beard, looks fucking weird. I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe I need to get used to it. He looks like a baby face with a, like literally a baby face with no beard. So it was, it was just like very strange. But um, all matches were decent. I'm excited to see the semifinals. I, I saw a gif of uh, someone commenting under the Tamatanga with the beard and how he looks, and they put uh, en- the entrance of Tamina, and I could never unsee no! that. I could never unsee that again. I could never unsee that. Damn. <laughs> and and you said Kenta was. I know, right? <laughs> and you said Kenta was in good shape. What about his hair? Oh, I like his hair. He had the frost. He had like the frost tips. I. I- I could be wrong. I don't remember Kenta that much back in the day, but he used to have that, no? I don't, I don't remember him having I, I feel like he, I've seen him with like the frosted tips one time. I know he frosted his tips while he was still in New Japan, uh, back in Japan uh, a couple of months ago, but this was the grow out. He had the pandemic hair like, like I do, so I had to give that a shout. Uh, SmackDown, <laughs> we had 
Braun Strowman return, and he says he doesn't care about Alexa Bliss after that uh, crazy ending to the week prior, and he challenges The Fiend for SummerSlam. Mandy Rose returned to confront Sonya Deville after cutting her hair the previous week, and of course, we had Retribution making their presence known, destroying the set for SmackDown, and cutting the ropes (laughs) with a chainsaw. Oh my god. Alex, you are our guest. I got to get your thoughts on the new stable retribution. Man, there's a million things wrong with this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, they, they look like a bunch of like kids walking around. Like, like <laughs> they, uh, the WWE security, that whole performance center is the most dangerous place in the world. Yes. Like, <laughs> if you're in the car park or you know, you're dead, basically, you've had it. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and uh, how do they get a chainsaw in? Like, who are they checking on the way in? Right. You can't put a chainsaw under your jumper. Like, you can't. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. There's uh, anyway. Besides all of that, the 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 I don't. It's isn't it weird how they celebrate every little thing that they do. That bugs me. Like, yes. they break the window and they're like, yeah. And it's like, what would you mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what do you mean, yeah? Like, who are you, you little children? Um, I don't. I don't really get it, man. Like, um, and, and I see that a lot of people are speculating that the people that will ultimately be in the group aren't actually there yet, right? So, yeah. so they're basically they just have people doing it right now under masks, and they're not going to be the ones that are actually revealed. So, in theory, a guy like Dijak could end up being in the group, which would be so weird because you know what's he been on his knees the whole time? <laughs> I, I don't. Like, I just don't get it. The whole. The whole thing, like the, I, um, I, I kind of half applaud the idea in mm-hmm. in trying to make something a bit chaotic and fresh. And I like stables as much as the next guy, so I, I, I like the the premise, but I just feel like the execution is really off. Like they don't come off as badasses that are tearing the place apart, <laughs> and um, the, the the camera cuts of WWE are, are not mad- trash. That, exactly, like I'm trying to follow what they're doing. And it's just like blink, 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 blink. Like, I don't, I can't. <laughs> sounds the same. I can't. I, uh, it's just hard. Like, it's very hard for me to get invested in this retribution group at the moment, even though I want to. Like, the, like I said, the premise is okay. But the first two weeks, have, I've established them as not a big time group or a threat to me. Absolutely. Like I wanted to get into this uh stable, but I was just like like you said, the the celebration of every little thing they do just makes them seem so lame and so corny to the fact that I'm like is Tom- if Tommaso Champa is a part of this? Oh like, my god. Throw like, away. How, how is how is one of the coolest heels that NXT has ever had celebrating throwing a cinder block into an already broke window? <laughs> I, I do like that um, potentially it's got men and women. Like, that's kind of fresh. Like, I, I like the idea that, that women are, you know, there's like a parity in the stable and they're all kind of badasses because I don't think we've ever had that. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. the way they're being presented right now ain't, ain't it. And uh, <laughs> like he just said, like, <laughs> Champa, like, imagine him pulling off the thing and being like, yeah, in your face. Like, I, I'd be like, oh, like, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be so disappointing if, if he's there. Mm, exactly. Well, that, I think that's the most intriguing part for me of the whole thing is the uh, who's the woman? Because we hear all this speculation about Alistair Black, Tommaso Ciampa, Dijakovic. You know, there's a whole roster full of guys, but 
the women, I mean, we really, I, I have no indication of who this might be. So that's keeping my intrigue in the most part. Yeah. I, think, I think Chelsea Green has been speculated. I've seen that. Um, that makes sense. And it would make sense. Yeah. She's kind of parted ways from Robert Stone and we haven't seen her. But um, other than that, mm. I mean, like you said, it, 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 it's, it's hard to read too much into it because ultimately the people we're looking at aren't probably be who's revealed. So mannerisms, anything, it's, you know. One good idea that I did hear is that the real members of Retribution will come out when they finally do debut and beat up these corny versions of Retribution. Like, I like that. That's a good idea to kind of... Now. Also, Drew, and I also don't enjoy the comparisons to Nexus because the one thing that Nexus was was very cool from the beginning. They were very cool because, and they they had to become cool because if you remember, they were running obstacle courses for weeks before they debuted on Monday Night Raw, but they immediately got the cool factor. But the best nickname I've heard for Retribution is Aces and Five Eights. Best, best name for them that I've heard so far. That's generous. Is that the best name, really? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I, I was, think that's being generous. I was leaning towards three-eighths. <laughs> I was leaning more towards three-eighths, but yeah, five-eighths is good. You know, you know, they're, they're a little, they're a little taller than me. Um, <laughs> Raw also, also had the presence of retribution being known, as I said before, them throwing cinder blocks into the window at the PC, but we also had Shayna Baszler make her debut in Raw Underground, and it was also revealed this week that Shane McMahon is the brains behind Raw Underground, so Miss Chrissy Love, what was your thoughts on Shayna Baszler in Raw Underground? Um, I thought she looked great um, in the Raw Underground. That was actually the only part I did see of Raw Underground. Um, <laughs> other than that, um, but I could have sworn we said he was the mastermind last week. We knew we 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 were we talked about him pushing for it to come out or like get it done for like how many years? Um, but I think she looked great in um, the Raw Underground. Let's see what happens for next week because this will make her character better. Because right now it's not doing shit. So. <laughs> give her something to do and put put Naya in there with her. I think that would be an interesting match to have in Raw. Yeah, yeah Sonya. Yeah, Sonya should be there too. Right, I think definitely Sonya should definitely be there. Absolutely, she would dominate in there. Yeah. So I think I think Ali's put out on Twitter this week. Sonya Deville's been one of the best characters, honestly, of this whole uh, like, pandemic era in 2020. Yeah. Her who feud with Mandy Rose, they've been killing it on SmackDown. So mm-hmm. I would. Right. Yeah. The, way, the way she's grown has, has been tremendous. Like, yeah. uh, in the, and finally, and you don't know how many superstars this is true with, but like, she finally got the chance to actually talk and yes. like to, to have right. a, a meaningful promo. And I had no idea she had it in her. And there you go. And she definitely <laughs> and she she delivered. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. I think I think she's been working this whole time though. Like, pre- like they've been keeping her. On the low, so she can own that craft. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because everybody seems to know that she can go in the ring, and she was missing that character aspect. So I'm glad that she found that because she really has potential to be one of the complete packages of the, of the women's division. I'll tell you what. Before we move on, quick on Raw Underground. So like the, the night that that happened, do you remember? Like it was all breaking like crazy right before Raw, wasn't it? It was like there's going to yeah. be a new stable. It was like Shane McMahon's going to do something, and a guy reached out to me and he sent me a photo. I'll, I'll send it to you guys after because I haven't shared this anywhere. But nice. like, it's uh, it was just Shane, and it was like the no ropes. So and that's all I knew, and I'm like, 
Exactly. Like, I, the tweet that I put out was just like, oh, Shane's got us on the ropes because I thought it'd be funny. It's not really funny. But, <laughs> but it'd be easy to call back and be like, yeah. And, um, and then the guy was telling me, he was like, oh, it might be, it, was, it wasn't going to be called Raw Underground and it was going to be something else and uh, it might be a, like a lucha thing. There was loads of like different ideas, basically. Um, mm. Like you just said, um, and the thing I was told at the time, um, and I said, I said at the time, it was 100% a Shane McMahon idea. This is the guy who wanted to buy UFC in like 2009. Mm. He's been pushing yep. to buy MMA promotions for years. You know, he, he's, he's thought there was money in an idea like this forever. Ultimately, it comes down to the investor call and Vince thinking, need to find something. And basically, that's, I think that's half of WWE's problem. That it's like, we're just going to throw this at the wall and see what happens. And then they go from there, whereas they don't actually go, well, okay, well, it's going to build to this and it's going to do this. I honestly don't yeah. think an idea a month from now where Raw Underground will be. They're just taking it as it will happen, see what the reaction's mm -hmm. like. Um, but it 100% is a Shane McMahon idea. And furthermore, to the point, I think, I don't know whether a lot of people realise this, but Shane's been involved in the production side of WWE for a lot this year. He was yeah. on the main minds behind the Royal Rumble, with the men's Royal Rumble, which was really, really good. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and he's been doing a lot behind the scenes, and apparently there's ideas that he will actually take over from Bruce on Mondays and give, mm. give Pritchard Smackdown on Fridays. So this is what oh, we have. Wow. I've only heard that from one person, though, so I'm not going to, like, concrete it, but still... Yeah. Uh, he, he's more involved than people think because at one point he couldn't have been further away and Stephanie and Triple X were right there. Uh, I, I think that's a good thing, honestly, because, you know, I feel like they're, they're like, like Conrad has said on something to wrestle, like Bruce is running thin and Bruce is tired because he has to juggle Raw and SmackDown. And then even sometimes it doesn't seem like they know what's happening on Raw when they're doing when they're doing SmackDown. They don't know what's happening on SmackDown when they're doing Raw. So I think that it would probably be better if the Shane was focused on Monday Night Raw and Bruce had SmackDown to himself. Yeah. Do you know what the, like, the problem is? Is and uh, and so like the three of you right? You could write like Crystal would write SmackDown. You write Raw, um, and and Chris write uh, NXT. Let's just let's just say that you could have it prepped, right? Like you could have it prepped to the nth degree, and you could have months of storylines. The way AEW have got like a year planned out, and then you'll come see me, and I'm Vince McMahon, and I'll go, oh, I don't like it. Right, <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem, man. Like yeah. no matter what Bruce or anyone does. Ultimately, it could come to the day Vince looks over and he goes, oh, "That's a bit crap," and that's it. And that's how the show is given, to, how the show is presented. It's like it's not put together; it's all crap. Exactly, and Vince gives them the power to a degree, and this is why he's got like forty writers per show. But ultimately, he takes all of their work and he'll go, eh, and he'll just if he doesn't like it, it gets cut, and then you're on the day scrambling. So, mm -hmm. I, I, like Moxley said when he left, man, that the way it works there, it, it is broken. Like, there's a lot that I like in WWE in terms of the people, the, the talent. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not saying WWE don't produce good stuff, but I think it, we can all agree that it's, uh, it, well, I mean, Crystal just said it there, man. Like, it's, it's, it just seems like so chaotic half the time. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we can all agree that Raw, Raw this week produced two of the best segments that WWE has put out probably this whole year or at least in the last couple of weeks as Seth Rollins lashed Dominic Mysterio Ooh! with oh, a kendo stick and Randy Orton not only killed Ric Flair on the mic, 
but he killed them with a punt in darkness in uh, probably probably the best opening and closing segment to Monday Night Raw this year. Do you guys agree? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Even so, if it's to other people's extent, right? Well, you know, that, that's kind of how it goes. But, Chrissy, what was your thoughts on the Dominic Mysterio lashing to start off Raw? I mean crazy <laughs> but i'm like i don't understand how dominic like like i saw you get yours done and that one looked like it hurt and that was done by a random girl on the street so to have like seth rollins who is like big almost like tw- tw- who's like how tall is he compared to dominic like six right like you got this boy and this man and he's like Give you these lashes, like because you done did something wrong, like you didn't do, like you didn't do something right today. You understand what I'm saying? Like he got in serious trouble, and it's like his body, like I don't understand how he. It was great segment, but it was like grueling and so like I hope Dominic whoops his ass though. You know what I'm saying? Like. <laughs> so, what was your thoughts on your lucha brother getting lashed like that, Chris? Oh man, it was, <laughs> uh, it, was it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. I. I'm a mark for violence, so I really enjoyed this segment. And I will say Dom moves really well in a ring yeah. for a guy, for a kid his size and that we don't really know has much experience. Right. So um, I, the feud itself has me captivated. I'm excited to see the match at SummerSlam. Seth Rollins is always going to bring that fire. I'm, I enjoy the Monday Night Messiah persona. So me too. I, I mean, just it's just, it got me captivated. <laughs> I like that jacket. I will it's buy that cheap, jacket no, and go out that on the jacket is cheap. That no, it's not. So, Chris, let me tell you something. If you compare, let's let's compare something. I'm going off topic really fast, but I'm going to buy wolf fur. No, it's not. That is cheap fur. Look at <laughs> look at King Corbin's robe and look at Seth Rollins' jacket. The two don't even match. Like one is more expensive and one is like it got it from Pretty Girl. I love Pretty Girl. Don't get me wrong. But compared to two, that jacket should have been like. Coming to America for a drip down. If you're the Monday Night Messiah, you you supposed to be the Monday Night Messiah. Give me like it should have had, it should have had the lion's eyes and all that shit in the damn jacket. Don't if you're gonna give me the, the stripes. Yes, if you're gonna give me the gimmick, give it to me all the way. Don't give me no half-ass jacket. That shit is plugged and it's cheap. <laughs> this is this is the type of expert analysis on fashion that we get on True Hill Heat, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, again, I love the Monday Night Messiah. That's the only thing I was like, yeah, he got this cheap ass jacket on again. Like, damn, son, I need, I need to be like, look at Oscar's robes. Her robes are crisp. Like, she got on a different one every week. And that someone is making Sasha Banks man can't make him a good fur to come around his his neck. Like, come on now. Get get to work. Get to work, is a. <laughs> that's, that's his name. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to, didn't mean to do that. My it's bad. All right. It's all right. We got to shout him out, man. He's doing exactly. good. Exactly. He He's does great. He's got to work with Seth. The gear is good. The it's gear right. is a one. So <laughs> it's not. It can be. It's almost there. Almost. Alex, what was your thoughts on Randy Orton's promo with Ric Flair and Ric Flair tugging at our tear ducts with his promo and then the the actions of low blowing and gently laying down his mentor? And the uh, that's my jam. That sort of stuff. Like you know what yeah. I mean. The whole the they they like. I love it when a promo kind of like rewards you for paying attention and and talks to history and you just know that there's a lot of story involved. Let me let me kick it back a week. Drew McIntyre and Orton had a killer promo. 
Like yes. that, 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 they absolutely set it up there, and that's got you invested in the angle from the jump. And then you, you kick it forward a week, and Ric Flair. I mean, I, I, I could. They, there's more reasons to kick him in the head than booking a Kevin Owens match. I guess the idea is that you know he's he, he's psychotic in the and that's the point. He's he's crazy like he's a snake. He'll, he'll do you like that. And I guess that's the the premise. But I, I like that it played into the way that he almost dementedly did it to Edge too. It was like I'm doing it because I love you kind of thing. That's what he yeah. was doing to Edge. And it was the same with the way he laid down Ric Flair. It was like, this needs to happen, but, you know, you're great and I love you, but this needs to happen. So it's, uh, I like it that there's some consistency in his character. And I was just having this debate the other day. 2009 Orton is, like, one of my favourite iterations of a heel in WWE. Like, just crazy doing whatever. Like, when he's RKOing Stephanie and kicking people in the head, I was like, man, that, that guy is like, he's never looked like he was more comfortable. Until yeah. now he seems like to be like it was, it was like he was, he, you know, when he's a baby face, people love Orton because the RKO and all that stuff. Like, and he's a legend. Okay, he's been around eighteen years, which sounds mental. Right. But at the same time, I think all of us can agree as a heel, he's a much better fit. Much mm-hmm. better. And uh, and I think that now he's finally getting that chance again. And even the surroundings are suiting him. The whole intimate promos and you know being very yeah. and sin, you know sinister. Everything is playing into him, and the guy is just on fire. I, I think the recipe is all there, and I am here for Drew and Orton. That, that is a matchup I want to see. It's a big I, the best baby face of the company, maybe. I think he's definitely benefited from not this whole pandemic and not having the crowd there because his rawness is so good, and it seems like it's like really real. And he once he's hill, he plays it so good. Like he's benefited from this whole pandemic not having anyone there and doing some killer promos from even like WrestleMania time. So it's, it's been good to see Orton like this back to where he should have been a long time ago. That thing with Flair might not have even been as impactful if it had a crowd. I think you're totally right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've been loving Orton this year. I said it on Twitter. This, he's the best heel in professional wrestling for 2020. And I agree with you. One of his best years ever is 2009. I feel like before this year, it was 2004 with the legend killer going up against Flo Foley winning the world title. And then 2009 with his feud with the McMahon family was his two best years. But this year tops it. The one caveat and the one theme with those previous years, just keep him away from Triple H. Just keep him away. Yeah. <laughs> keep Triple H over here and, and Orton. This will be the year for Randy Orton. He's coming. WrestleMania 36. Where are we at? Either one. <laughs> just keep it away and we're gonna be fine but also the final thing what we missed was impact wrestling we had brian myers the former wwe talent make I finally think- make yes yes make his debut with uh impact wrestling challenging eddie edwards in a loss of the for the impact world title in the main event in my opinion brian myers best match that i've ever seen him in how about you uh, alex so yeah, like, unfortunately for Brian Myers, like it's not really his fault that his body of work isn't, it, it, you know, it, it, for us to say that's his best match ever, like that's not really enough against him. It's you got to remember the way he was portrayed in WWE. Like his whole gimmick for a long time was that he couldn't win, um, and then he was just slapped in the tag team with Zack Ryder again because what, what else you can do with both of them? Apparently, so I mean, 
it was great to see again, like we were talking about Sony Deville earlier, like giving the people the chance to show what they can actually do. Uh, and he must feel like he's got a new lease of life. The thing with Impact, uh, I thought that Eric Young, Willie Mack was a big was a big deal too. He has a really yeah. big announcement, a re a re announcement of Eric Young, uh, and the Good Brothers too continue to have that that cool factor. That kind of like was someone, I think someone the other day said Nash and Hall vibes. He's kind of like that. They, yeah. they they do carry that. Um, not only are they you know they carry themselves like stars, but they're cool too, and they've got their own kind of swagger and i like it it's almost like they're too big for impact at the moment the way they carry themselves yeah uh, and, and i just feel that's going to make for a really interesting recipe so you know uh impact they've got a fire women's division all the pieces that we just spoke about too um they're definitely on the come up but although it's an uphill climb to come from where their name was in the mud which unfortunately it was a few years ago <laughs> um no doubt i think they've made a, a ton of great moves i'm i'm really excited to uh, to see where they're going they, they've just got a new buzz around them and just everyone wants to like know about impact they're like the new the new come up like how new japan i feel has been for the, like the last couple of years that's where impact is kind of filling the gaps right now and they're like the promotion that everybody is like hey you should pay attention to them now but i agree with you eric young versus willie mack was a fun matchup like i think you also put on twitter eric young one of the best power drivers in the game today and willie mack sullivan was amazing uh diana parata will challenge Jordan Grace in a first-ever Knockouts Iron Woman match on Emergence Night 2. Night 1 is coming up this week. It will have the Impact World title up, up again uh, as er Eddie Edwards will defend against a mystery opponent eddie edwards has been having a great matches week in and week out so he's been really having a good title run so far impact world tag team titles will be on the line in the main event motor city machine guns versus the north x division championship will be on the line as chris bay defends against tjp and rahit raju tna world heavyweight championship on the line as moose will defend against trey miguel russell house match will have kylie ray versus taya valkyrie and the aforementioned Good Brothers, Wilvers, Ace Austin, and Madman Fulton. So quite the lineup for Emergence Night 1. Can I, can I just say, Diona Perrazzo, criminally underused. Like, just seeing what she's doing now, I can't believe WWE couldn't find something to do with her. But there you go. And I didn't know she was this good on the mic. Like, I've seen Deanna live for Ring of Honor before she got to the WWE, so I knew she was talented in the ring. But on the mic and as a character, she has been stellar for Impact so far. 100% like I said it feels like she's and 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 it's kind of still in that virtuoso character in a way it's like an extension of that so how WWE couldn't find I, I don't know I don't know I've said my piece I've said what I said what color is her hair it's not yellow <laughs> she, she she's not blonde so yeah i guess i guess he didn't see see the virtuoso character like we do but we gotta get to our top news our top news story is top tnt executive and aew supporter out at warner media group uh aew ally kevin rally is among those out of warner media a deadline reports the company is uh, shaking up the organizational structure following the ascension of J jason keller uh to the ceo position that change saw rally uh who was chief content 
officer for HBO Max and president of TNT, TBS, and True TV, exit along with Warner Media Entertainment and direct to consumer chairman Bob Greenblatt and corporate marketing and communications EVP Keith Konkozil. Uh, this mo- this move is huge for a number of reasons, but for us wrestling fans, it is even bigger because Rally what has been stated by Tony Khan as the man responsible for bringing AEW to TNT. Uh, although AEW just signed a new deal earlier this year, like we talked about before with the network earlier uh, in t- 2020, it will make future contract negotiations very interesting. Cody went out publicly and said that uh, to the fans, they have nothing to worry about, as well as Uncle Dave Meltzer uh, did a did a report on the uh, for one the F. F4W online form stating that TNT must love AEW because they are now pulling in an 18 to 34 ratings number on par with Raw and SmackDown, which is quite significant because they are being paid much less than Raw and SmackDown are being paid by Fox and USA, uh, respectively. So what are your thoughts on this departure of AEW's biggest supporter with TNT being out? We'll start with you, Chris G. Um, well, like Cody reiterated, I don't think it's really going to make that much of an impact. Um, just because they had a guy in the office that, you know, was familiar with wrestling and he was a friend of the company or whatever, doesn't necessarily change the fact that TN likes AEW. I think they like AEW. Um, anybody nowadays can see the money in live sports, even though we're not technically live because of the pandemic or whatever. But, I mean, there's no reason why to give that up. I think TNT sees the value. I think more companies are starting to see the value in wrestling. And yeah. I think All Elite, I mean, they still got a second show in the works, apparently. So until we hear news about them pulling that, I'm pretty sure TNT is on board with AEW. So how about how about you, Chrissy? Um, yeah, I don't think they have anything to really worry about. The, the stuff is in the brand. The product is there. It's, it's, it's delivering all, all, all the time. So I don't think they have anything to worry about, like uh, Cody said. Um, just everyone just going to keep watching it. If they keep their storylines and everything intact, we're going to keep watching it. How do you, how do you think it's going to impact the future contract negotiations between AEW and TNT, Alex? Um, well, I think the departure in itself would be more significant if it had happened prior to the new deal being signed, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. they, they've definitely got some security in that de- in that department and 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 as Meltzer says end of the day they're pulling in good ratings they're ever increasing the ratings and in the demo that seems to be the most lucrative they're performing extremely well so there's no reason to suggest that one man would lead to any kind of demise on there at the end of the day money talks and they're making some so yep <laughs> aw in their first year turned a profit which is pretty incredible so you know you have you have to say that um TNT aren't going to be letting them go anytime soon, in my opinion. And even if they did, there would be networks that would want to pick up that kind of rating. Yep. Yeah, that that would bring me to my next question for all of you guys. Like, how do you do? You believe that TNT and other networks are seeing the impact of professional wrestling, considering that T that Fox and USA paid or two hundred and five million dollars and two hundred sixty five million dollars respectively for Raw and SmackDown. Do you see the number? I know uh, TNT paid forty five million for AEW. Do you see their uh, TV rights fees going up on their future no- contract negotiations, Chris? Yeah, but only 
because they kind of fall under the category of live sports. Mm. I think the focus more is like on live sports than actually wrestling. So, yeah. it, I mean, it depends. Uh, it, it, and live sports right now is what it is because all the streaming services. So, if, if little minor TV companies or local stations, then we can say, yeah, wrestling, you know, they, they're paying attention to wrestling. But for me right now, just falls under the live sports yeah i can i can agree with that how about you uh alex i mean i, I feel like um that we're going to meet in the middle right i don't think wwe in their current state are going to command the same fees um in moving forward and there's multiple reasons behind that okay the ratings but also just the economic climate as a result of the pandemic is going to maybe drag things down um but I think AEW can expect a bump because um, you've got to remember the disparity between what 205 million a year to 45 is a lot. So I think yeah. there's going to be some middle meeting. I think AEW will come up and WWE are likely to come down. Um, but, you know, the one thing that WWE has really hung their hat on for the last few years, you know, it's a lot. Okay, we, it's live, but it's not live. You know what I mean at the moment. <laughs> um, but it's a live show every single week. You know, they, they, it's the most consecutive running show in. Network history, if I'm right, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but AEW, of course, they've got that string to their bow too. So, there's no reason why they what they're bringing to the table. What makes WWE more valuable at this point? It's, it's like a million viewers, and I honestly think by the time things renegotiate, which I think for AEW is in three years and for WWE is in four. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, anything could happen, uh, I, and I, I get it. The what the ratings, like the way people consume stuff, is different now. So. You're probably not going to pop like five and six like they used to. But at the same time, um, I think it is representative of the way WWE's product has been going. Uh, and same for AEW. The trend of up is shows a lot of what they've been doing right. So, uh, man, I feel like they're going to meet in the middle, but WWE can't be slipping much longer. Yeah, yep, I mean, yep. <laughs> Raw, Raw, and the Wednesday night ratings seem to get closer and closer by the week, especially in that key demo, the 18 to th- the 34, 18 to 49 demo. I know you guys, wrestling fans, we hate talking about demos, but it's very important when we talk about the TV rights fees and how that's going to impact for, like you said, three and four years for WWE and AEW. But speaking of AEW and WWE, it is time for our favorite time of the week where we talk about week 45 of the wednesday night war this is where we break down the ratings for aew dynamite and wwe nxt we tell you who won the ratings war we break down what happened on both shows and we let you know what we thought was the better show for the week miss chrissy love i know you love your 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 drum roll for this so hit it So, for week 45 of the Wednesday Night War, AEW Dynamite is down significantly to 792,000 viewers to WWE NXT's 619,000 viewers. AEW Dynamite finished in 
0.32 in the 18-49 demo to NXT's 0.16. This was actually one of the rare times that NXT, uh, for the original release of the ratings, didn't chart. So they had to do, my uh, good friend Brian Alvarez, a wrestling observer, had to do a second tweet with both ratings to let us know what was going on <laughs> for the week. <laughs> but on NXT, we had Velveteen Dream controversially return to the program and turn heel as Cameron Grimes wins a triple threat qualifier over a Dream and Kushida to move on for the North American ladder match at NXT TakeOver 30. We I had brought happy about that. We'll get to that. Um, Bronson, Bronson Reed defeated Damian Priest in a good hard-hitting affair. I felt like this was a mini version of Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic. It was very hard-hitting, very big boys battling it out. Swerve Scott sets his sights on Legado del Fantasma in the Cruiserweight Championship. Karrion Cross in probably the angle of, N of NXT for uh, last night. Karrion Cross beats da Danny Burch to s and then sign the contract to meet Keith Lee for the NXT Championship at TakeOver 30, and then Keith Lee opens up the contract ledger and gets a fireball right to the face. Over on AEW Dynamite, we had Orange Cassidy pull off the upset, defeating Chris Jericho in the main event. We had Cody beat Scorpio Sky in a good TNT Championship matchup, and then he is challenged by Mr. Brody Lee for the special Saturday edition, August 22nd, Dynamite. Hangman Page and Omega defeat Jurassic Express to defend the AEW World Tag Team titles. We had Moxley get a measure of revenge on MJF after another scathing promo by the challenger and FTR turns heel finally <laughs> at the end of tag team appreciation night attacking the original Young Bucks as the Young Bucks put it the Rock and Roll Express so Chrissy Love we'll start with you what did you believe was the better show for the week um, I'm gonna go with um, AEW for this week um, because they had a great show, basically from beginning to end. Um, I think NXT, of course, is still missing that oomph. They're having one match here, one match there, and it's not the whole show that's good, which is sad because, um, like you said, the um, the match between um, Larry Morgan, no, wait, what's his name? Um, <laughs> um, Damien, Damien Priest. Damian Priest, and um, that was a great match. Um, I think he looks like Larry Morgan. But anywho, um, nevertheless, I thought that was a good match. Um, the part where Keith Lee opened the thing almost gets burnt was cool. Um, also, the match with Mercedes and... Um, Rear, no, right, I thought that was pretty cool. That was a good, um, a good match. Um, but it just wasn't consistent, you know what I'm saying? Like... Love the end. The last match was cool. I thought it could have been better. Um, but I think the, 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 the win for the week for me is AEW. Why did you think AEW got the win? What was your favorite part? My favorite part, um, the, I thought tag team night was good, even though I got thrown off once they put the, the women's match in, in there, but you know, it still was good. Um, I liked the whole promo with, um, the tag team. It was a little slow, but it ended off cool. Um, the last match was good until the ending, which was sloppy. Um, 
Other than that, I just thought that their show was just, just like, it had me entertained more than the other show, put it like that. I was just more intrigued on tag team night than I was with, and I had both shows on, watching picture and picture, but I was just more intrigued with AEW than I was with NXT. You were a, you were a Wednesday night warrior? <laughs> I was. I was. That's how wow. I, this is how I have to watch, um... Um, Wednesday nights. I have to watch Picture in Picture because th that's why I have to pay extra Cablevision for. Other than that, they're they're trash. Um, other oh, than shit. That, we need we need Chrissy on an episode. <laughs> She's making the financial the financial decision. We have to have her on an episode. She's okay. she's making. She's making that sacrifice. <laughs> um, yeah, so we have the picture in picture that I have the DVR with. I have to watch one ending, then I have to rewind the other ending and rewatch that ending over because I was watching AW and then I had to figure out well. Who won the last match and the other match? Because I was watching the Chris Jericho match. I'm like, what happened? It was so good. And then it got botched at the end. I was like, damn, like, how did that happen? I was like, oh, like, it could it could have been, a, and again, like we said, it was going to deliver again in a good match. But then the ending was just like, it, it messed me up. And again, with the upset for Orange, but I'm, you know, I, I liked it. So, cool. Alex, what was your opinion was the better show this week? I think Chrissy got it got it pretty right. Like, um, there's a, there's there's stuff that I like about NXT, um, but the whole show is not like as gripping or compelling as as Dynamite, in my opinion. Like, yeah. I, I think they have the hotter angles. Um, like MJF and Moxley, I I, I I mean I love both of them, but I think that's the hotter angle over Lee and Karrion Cross. I, I mean I like I like it. It's not that I don't like Lee and Cross, right? But I'm just a bit like mm, I, I don't know. Where they're going to go because is Lee's opening. They've booked Cross so strong and they've presented him in such a way. It's, it's like, is Lee it's done? too soon. Yeah. It's uh, too soon. Could have been built up to that. Um, I like uh, what you said about the tag. I love uh, Casey Catanzaro and I think her and Kaden Carter are a good team. I'd like to see more of them. She's so fun to watch. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yeah, and I'd like to see Mercedes too um, putting the beating down and, and looking strong. So that was cool. Uh, I, I just. For me, I, I just feel like Dynamite has the edge in terms of when I'm watching it and the way the synergy of the show. It, it just reminds me of the wrestling that I really loved, kind of turn of the millennium. Like, yeah. you know, there's, there's like a narrative kind of threaded throughout the show, uh, whereas NXT sometimes is like a series of matches almost. Um, but what I will say, the the FCR turn is just so like stupid. Like they didn't. Yeah. I thought they were middle the whole time, but I thought they were just being nice. I think they were just like <laughs> paying their time to get the angle to a position where they can have it for the next pay per view. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they debuted, they weren't quite ready to have the full blown thing, but it doesn't make sense. If anyone knows the history of Young Bucks and Revival or FDR, like battling online and all of this stuff, like, you know, the, this feigning friendship was just, it was just a waste of time. Like, I, and I think no one bought it either. So it was just, it was just wasted weeks, really. But, I guess we're, 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 we're now we are where we need to be with it. So whatever, I'm not going to overthink it. But um, yes, I do think that Dynamite, I thought right at the beginning of this year, like literally New Year, the first few weeks of January, I thought AEW was killing it. They're having their best shows week after week, topping it every week. And I feel like the last month, like three or four weeks of the last six, I feel the same. They're putting on great shows. I I totally you I think you hit it like right on the head that AEW Dynamite Dynamite just has more things going on. I've said it mm -hmm. a couple of times on the show where I watch NXT and 
I like I do the notes for this show. There's not that much to write about with NXT. It's like match after match, which is always I feel like NXT always the wrestling overall is better than AEW Dynamite, but the stories on AEW keep you more captivated yeah. and you want to you want to follow like week to week. And I enjoyed the FTR heel turn because I felt like it was very symbolic without hitting you over the head with it with them attacking the the original Young Bucks, the the Rock and Roll Express because they represent the tag team wrestling that they don't like. That's the tag yeah. team. <laughs> they are they are the tag team that influenced the Young Bucks and the Young Bucks do a style of tag team wrestling that FTR have put out there from day one even before them coming to AEW they don't like that style they like tag ropes they like being in and out of the ring five seconds at a time all the style that the Young Bucks completely do not do (laughs) I I really enjoyed the Dark Order versus Young Bucks match I absolutely felt like the AEW World Tag Team title match was the highlight of both shows when it came to in-ring wrestling especially the, the latter half of that match Jungle Boy looked like a main eventer especially going out there and going toe for toe move for move with Kenny Omega and I love the I love this slow burn and the attention to detail when it comes to Kenny Omega and this slow burn heel turn yes. and the fact that his hair is getting darker it's getting closer <laughs> to the cleaner it's getting it's, 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 it's beautiful stuff it's beautiful stuff and even the small little stuff like the tag team appreciation vignette with Hangman and Kenny, and Hangman's about to answer, and then Kenny just interrupts him. The Young Bucks are the greatest tag team ever, and Kenny and Hangman's like, "Yeah, I thought you were gonna say us." And, yeah. he, and they literally they respect us as viewers, and they know we're online, they know the talk on Twitter. And Kenny says, "We're two singles guys who kind of won the tag team title because that's what the fans say. They yeah, not, they want them to be they want them to break up already. They're, they're like people are dying for them. They're like." Why they're attacking? Why they're not to get like like what is this? Like people are fed up, and they're just like slowly building to that point where they're gonna be like, okay, this is and gonna happen. And it's crazy because Hangman and Kenny are a great team, and they're the longest. Yeah in all of AEW and throughout his whole history and I totally agree with Alex MJF and Moxley is one of the best feuds in wrestling right now I think I think McIntyre and Orton are like number one but right behind them is MJF and Moxley and this is the the hottest feud that I felt like Moxley has had since the Jericho since he won the title from Jericho and MJF feels like the top Mm -hmm. heel and just his presentation, his words are just delivering, and he's just fully into this character, and is just making for great television. The yeah. winner, the winner was um, Hangman Page when he came out with his his glass of cognac, and he did not spill it at all. <laughs> Let me just say that I was like, "Yo, I thought it was a beer at first. I was like, "No, this nigga got liquor." And it's in the pop. That much, I was like, that's how you he know. A couple of heavy on the rocks. That's what I'm talking to. Exactly. He did not spill that. Not for not for y'all. No. <laughs> you know, what I will say about um, NXT and AEW in the, in the terms of disparity is that, like, sometimes NXT is, like, really hot. Do you know what I yes. mean? Yeah. Yes. Like, there's sometimes where, and I'm talking about this, like, last three or four years, their roster will be at a place where it's, like, red hot. They've got talent up to their eyes. But by the very nature of NXT, they will have to turn the talent over. And it's like, they've, they've gone through that the last few months where, like, okay, now we've got, like, a Tim Thatcher and Karrion Cross and, you know, and a Dexter Loomis and, and guys like that that have kind of replaced your mainstays, like a Champa and the Velveteen. Yeah. Velveteen yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. AEW has kind of, you know, they've just built and built and built. So, like, I think they always have the advantage in the fact that they can tell those stories and things, whereas NXT, 
by their nature will have dips where they just kind of trying to transition and and replenish their roster. So I think um, AEW will always have a slight advantage in that aspect, in my opinion. Yeah, because I feel like there's certain guys on NXT that just should have been called up by now. Like, I I understand how Johnny Gargano feels about NXT, and he is NXT when it comes through and through, but I just feel like I'm not that interested in his character like I was in 2018. And the heel You know why? You know why? Why? Guess why? 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 That's right. <laughs> no, I That's actually why. I actually enjoy the character with him and his wife. I enjoyed his heel turn, but it's just kind of slowed off because there doesn't seem like there's a direction for it. He kind of mm-hmm. seems directionless. I like the stuff with uh, Cross and Lee, but I do agree with you guys. It just feels too soon. Like Cross feels so built and feels like he's the next NXT champion, and it's just like, why did y'all give the belt to Keith Lee then? Like, 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 like Keith Lee is. It feels like. <sighs> Keith Lee is just being like kind of be- being used to put over Karrion Cross when the kind of it would have probably been better if Karrion Cross was the guy that beat the longest reigning NXT exactly. champion. Exactly, and let Keith Lee be the North American champion. That that's how it should have went. I, he's good. I'm happy that he won. Great, but unfortunately, it's not going to be a long reign because he's going to lose to. I would have honestly turned things around and had Karrion Cross win the title, keep building Keith Lee as the North American yes! champion, and then we have this big showdown between the two as the as the champion. That should have been the title unification match. Yes. But I I like certain things going on. I like the push with uh, Bronson Reed. I love Ka- uh, Cameron Brown. That triple threat just felt off to me. It felt like what? a very idiotic triple threat. Like, two in, one out. And it just felt like, why was Velvet T Dream there? Like, besides the controversy, I'm not going to get into that. Because I know that there was reports that, you know, even people backstage are wondering why he was brought back at this time. It felt like too soon after all the controversy that happened during the speaking out. And even before anytime, that. Anytime is too soon for the stuff that he was. Uh, yeah. Because it's, it's not just like tweets you know like some of the speaking out was where uh, or or like a word against the word like there's recordings and all sorts like i don't know how much you guys are well versed in it but like man it's without like wwe should clarify that shit before you bring him back because any kind of reaction i've seen about it has been negative no and i don't I, i was maybe six nine months ago i was like do you know who i could see the next mainstream star being with wwe is someone like velveteen dream he had all of it Everything you could hope for in terms of charisma, look, work. And I just don't feel the same about him now. I can't. I can't help it. Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't excited to see him back. Like, I need some... I need some clarity on this shit. I do. <laughs> yeah, like like there should have been some type of press release about it. Like I feel like they addressed everything else, and then you had the WWE apologists out there being like, "He wouldn't be on TV if he if he wasn't acquitted." But Hulk Hogan's on TV. Uh, <laughs> like, they just saw- <laughs> like that's. What kind of statement is that? Like, oh, well, prob- he's probably well, well, he didn't do anything. Right. The, the, the DMs that he got in trouble for, mostly, that was, like, spotlighting around him, actually was presented, like, a couple months before the speaking out movement yeah. happened. Maybe, yeah. maybe even as far as a year. So it gives me the impression that WWE kind of knew what Dream was surrounded yep. by. Yeah, and just gave him enough time to let the smoke blow over and then bring him out. Whether it was the right decision or not, probably not. I feel the same way as you. I used to love Velveteen Dream. Now I'm like, I don't know how to feel about the guy. Mm. But 
at the at the same time, I called it last week on Wednesday Night Warriors. <laughs> but but the smoke the smoke has not cleared. The smoke is as smoky as his entrance going on with his. Situation. You know what? That's so. Or, or is my room on four twenty? That too, Chris. What was the better show for the week? I know you have Wednesday Night Warriors, but you can give us your thoughts now. Yes, I'm not going in depth. You can find that on the Wednesday Night Warriors every week here on the YouTube True Hill Heat channel. But my favorite show this week was AEW. And for, I think, SP3 bring up the reason that NXT or Alex, NXT usually seems to have the better action than AEW. I went with AEW this week because both AEW had the better action than NXT. In terms of all the matches going on, I just feel like they put on better matches. So I went with AEW this week. Makes sense all around. A clean sweep for AEW this week. We got to go through the rest of the news very quickly. WWE news. Uh, speaking of NXT, at the taping last night, there was a scare as Johnny Gargano landed on his head during his matchup with Ridge Holland during the taping for next week's episode of NXT. Uh, he was all right, and they did reshoot uh, the ending of that matchup, but a very scary moment as Triple H and Shawn Michaels actually came out during the match uh, to check on him because it was a very scary spot right there announced today via uh, sports illustrated and fightful select that evolve progress wxw and icw will be premiering on wwe network this coming saturday august 15th of course wwe we we just reported last week that the 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 plans for indie promotions to be on wwe was put on hold <laughs> and now it's it's gonna be on on the network by the time you guys watch this podcast so enjoy mm -hmm. all of that because there's a lot of great stuff on there uh wrestle reports that wwe has reportedly made a decision on a different location for WWE SummerSlam. Uh, they did put out a whole bunch of hints uh, today, and it seems like it will take place at Amway Center in Orlando. Alex, have you heard anything? I know you have your sources, sir. Uh, they're up the sleeve. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I've heard that they're going to do TVs from the Amway moving forward. So mm -hmm. apparently following SummerSlam, uh, you, you're going to get your TVs at the Amway until... Um, you know, they're allowed to basically take it around the country and whatnot. So, despite the amount of cases of coronavirus that appear to be in Florida, there seems to be some normalcy on the horizon. And, of course, the only reason to move it from the PC, really, to the Amway is so that they can get fans back in. So, it seems, yeah. it seems like mm -hmm. that's the direction. And, uh, man, I mean, I'm desperate to get to a wrestling show again anyway, but... Listen. <laughs> I'm not that desperate. <laughs> I want to live. Uh, yeah, I mean, as long as hopefully it's done, you know, properly. Because I think if man, if WWE haven't learned some lessons in the past few months, then I don't know what to tell them. You're right. It, it, it's a tough it's a tough thing to kind of talk about but we'll we'll see how things progress speaking of SummerSlam WWE is reportedly planning on a huge swerve at SummerSlam with speculation being that Randy Orton will win the WWE title I know Brian Alvarez on Wrestling Observer Radio he speculated this is not a rumor or a report but his fantasy booking is that uh, Ric Flair is in cahoots with Randy Orton that's why we didn't see the punt on Monday Night Raw and he will screw Drew McIntyre 
and that will be how Randy Orton wins. Uh, Wrestling Observer Newsletter report that Rey Mysterio is reportedly going to resign with WWE following AEW match WWE's per match offer, but WWE's offer was for more dates, so that's why Mysterio is leaning towards there, and Dominic Mysterio's debut at SummerSlam probably has a lot to do with that as well. WWE also will resume training classes at a new facility this week, which will be a warehouse close to the WWE PC. Fightful Select reported some frustration from the coaches that trainees were still being paid uh, without having these classes, but you know the classes are going to resume, so hopefully that will cue some of that frustration. Imagine hating people for getting paid. (laughs) What does it matter to them? (laughs) They're like, they're like, they're getting paid to be in a crowd. That is not fair. That's outrageous. You gotta love it. You gotta love some of the things you hear with WWE. Uh, PW Insider reports that WWE will be resuming their live taping, like Alex said, uh, with August 21st SmackDown, which will be the go-home show for SummerSlam. Wrestling Observer Newsletter reports that WWE has not been pleased with NXT's continued losses against AEW, and this number this week probably does not help that at all. As we reported on True Hill Heat 85, NXT has hired three new writers for the brand, one being a former writer with the company and another being moved over to the Black and Gold brand. In some very exciting news, Ty- Tyson Kidd released a video on Natalia's Twitter on of him training in the ring. This follows his surgery after a botched Samoa Joe muscle buster years ago, and it's the first time we've seen him in the ring since. Wishing him the best and that he can make a return to the ring similar to Edge and Daniel Bryan before him. Chrissy Love, what's your thoughts on Tyson Kidd potentially making a return? Meh. I mean, it's whatever. Uh... <laughs> Damn, okay. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I, I really don't have meh. Like, yeah, I'm not impressed. Yeah, sure. If he comes well, back, he comes back. I mean, that'd be great. I I'd be happy for him that he can come back and do what he loves to do. Um, but um meh. <laughs> Gotta love Chrissy Loves reactions. WWE Hall of Famer Medusa takes WWE to task for the dancers on Raw Underground, while Liv Morgan and Mickey James defend the dancers, asking for them to return. And Fightful Select also reported that there were stipulations to the release of FTR earlier this year from WWE, with the team having to give up several of their trademarks, like No Flips, Just Fist, FTRKO, and Say Yeah, and that the team bought those trademarks FTR said it was not as smooth as WWE made it out to see to seem AEW news Jeff Cobb confirms that he has been in talks with WWE as he's been fielding offers since his ROH contract uh, expired his appearance with AEW earlier this year uh, reportedly did not come to a signing because uh, he does not want to sign with AEW due to them filming in Florida with the virus that has become a hotbed there and that will probably not lead to him signing with WWE either as they will still be filming in Florida but Jeff Cobb says that he will be waiting for the promotion that he has signed with to make the announcement before he does. Chris Jericho was under a lot of controversy this week as he banned uh, Jim Cornette from watching AEW and then also (laughs) found himself under Chris criticism following his fossil concert at the Sturgis bike rally. Chris G, what was your thoughts on Chris Jericho's Fozzy concert among uh, this whole virus and seemingly nobody in the crowd respecting social distance? Well, everybody in the crowd not respecting social distance, that's a little 
asinine. You ask me. But Sturgis is in what state? It's somewhere like down south where I'm sure the, uh, the restrictions surrounding the pandemic are a little bit more loose. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense for Jericho and his bands to want to get back out there, man. They lost a lot of money. They were supposed to have a big tour out here. It's a business. They're trying to make money. With the crowds, though, and the security, just like if you're bringing an event like that, it's, it's not Fozzie's fault because there's probably an event manager that has to take care of this. But you have to put in the proper precautions for people to be there safe. And they didn't do that. So I could understand where the scrutiny comes from. But at the same time, we got to make money out here, guys. So <laughs> it's like uh, it, it, it's a pick your poison type thing. But also, is it something where Chris Jericho himself should say, hey, this is what should be happening because I don't want to get myself into danger where I can endanger myself and the people around me. And then when I go back to go wrestle, now I'm going to now spread or bring something back. Well, I'm sure Jericho's segregated and secluded from (laughs) general population. And, you know, he's just either with his bandmates or the roadies, anybody like that. So I'm okay. sure Jericho himself is taking the proper precautions, but as uh, the fans and the staff, I mean, who knows? Yeah, I mean, they they did put out there that there was like they went from the trailer to the stage and then back to the trailer for the for the band itself. But that doesn't give us a cool transition into a, a extra bit of news. Last night at AEW's uh, TV taping, friends and family of the company and the staff were allowed at the arena. This they made the announcement at the beginning of the show that they were up here to precautions. Oh for the virus, but what are your guys' thoughts on uh, AEW allowing a bit of fa- fans, in in a sense, to the Dynamite taping last night? We'll start with you, Alex. Uh, I mean, it's, it's one of them things. I get it that we can't just be at the mercy of, of whatever forever, like or, 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 or people don't want to be, more more to the point. Yeah. But at the same time, like I feel like... It's okay, it's okay if, if all the proper precautions are in place and, you know, they're doing rigorous testing. And as far as I'm aware, AEW, as opposed to WWE, have been for the right. bar, you know, majority. Um, you know, it's more than a temperature check. You need to proper, properly check these people. And as far as I'm told, they were getting the, the test back, like, rapid, really quick. So, mm. you know, good for them. Good for them if they're doing it properly. And, and it seems that the social distancing stuff was still in effect, so... Um, as long as everything was done safely, cool. Like you know, I I want to see fans at wrestling too. But uh, and at the end of the day, it's nothing that WWE didn't try. Remember, they tried to let people, yeah, friends and family in, and then what happened there? Two weeks later, there's about thirty people who got coronavirus. So um, I would I would tread carefully. But I mean, it's got. I guess it's going to happen at some point. WWE are obviously nearing that with these shows. It's probably going to be more than than what AEW did last night. So. It's one of them, man. Like, uh, it, I, I feel like tentative, but at the same time, like, I, I get it. It's it's a very muddy water for sure. Um, AEW also had a bit of news with them cutting back on extras uh, at the TV tapings, which has seen the popular Pineapple Pete, aka Shug G, uh, Shug D, uh, not appearing in the crowd at this week's taping. He said that he has kind of made his departure from AEW. He actually did trademark Pineapple Pete, so he has something to take away from his time with AEW. But I hope that he will make a return back. I did like the Pineapple. Pete character and the hatred Chris Jericho had for him. Uh, Excalibur will return. 
<laughs> of course, of course, you got to. Excalibur will return to AEW Dynamite as he was the one who chose to remove himself from commentary following the controversy surrounding him. I will say Excalibur was definitely missed during the AEW World Tag Team title match because none of the announcers mentioned that Kenny turned basically did a minor heel turn on Marco stunt weeks ago like they didn't even mention that throughout that entire matchup and I was like this is where Excalibur was missed I, I, say, I don't like Taz take Taz off throw him away I know I do like Taz. I do like Taz. It's just Tony, Tony and Jr. need someone who's like more educated on the storylines and what's going on with the competitors. Taz is a great addition because he has that storyline involvement. Like him talking about Darby Allen making his return next week. He was like, I really want to see him because I hate him. Like I love that. <laughs> <type of stuff. laughs> I, do, I do think Taz is probably like, like uh, I think Jericho is even better in that role. Yes. Yeah. I know you don't want to have mm -hmm. him there because, you know, he's a big-time player. But um, I do think Excalibur's been missed. I think he, he does his role extremely well. And where's that? Well, he fills, in, he fills in the blanks. And I feel like they didn't have anybody to fill in the blanks this week because Excalibur is that guy that has the details to make the sentence complete, you know? Is he on a sick leave or something? No, he basically, we talked about it on, I think, the last episode where he oh, yeah. was involved in this uh, racist oh, yeah. storyline. Back in 2003, where he said the uh, the end word. Yeah. yeah, no, he didn't. He didn't. He wasn't suspended. He took he took himself away because he didn't want to take any limelight away from the telecast. So I respect his decision in doing that. New Japan Pro Wrestling News: New Japan announces the schedule for the G1 Climax 30 for September 19th through October 18th, and they also announced limited participants for each night, as only A Block competitors will complete on A Block nights, and the same for the B Block. I will say, New Japan has been leading the way when it comes to precautions during this definitely shaky time during the ongoing pandemic, and once again, this decision is another mark of that. Impact Wrestling News: PW Insider reports that the current plan for Impact Emergence is for Eddie Edwards to defend the t Impact World title on both nights of the two-week event. NWA News, NWA and the United Wrestling Network announced their partnership and new weekly pay-per-view series, UWN Primetime Live, which will premiere on September 15th. So more wrestling for us to enjoy. I know you love hearing that, Chrissy Love. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and the last bit of news is one more more wrestling returning as ROH announces that they will resume producing TV this month and Brian Alvarez of the Wrestling Observer reports that it will be something wrestling fans have not seen before our good friends over at WrestleTalk says that this is weeks after WWE had an eyeball come out of competitors head so expect something oh. big expect something big <laughs> so our final segment of the show is, of course, our top 10 greatest SummerSlam matches. SummerSlam is just weeks away. Alex, Chris, and Chrissy. It's a, one thing that my, in my opinion, it's one of my favorite events of the whole entire year. It's had yeah. so many classic matches, classic battles, where I'm going to run down our, my, our list or my list of the top 10 greatest uh, SummerSlam matches as I posted up on Sports Kita uh, this past week. But I know we know the list so far, but any matches that you guys that are missing from my list that you guys would want to mention before we get into it, we'll start with you, Chrissy Love. Yes, I'm going to mention last year's SummerSlam match between Trish and Charlotte. That's uh, legend against 
soon to be legend. I thought it was the best match on the card. I think it was um, a great match between the two ladies and to send Trish on her merry way. I thought it was a very, very good match between the two ladies. Chris, how about you? So for my number 10 match, um, I am going to insert Seth Rollins versus John Cena. I forgot what year it was, but it was the double title match. The only thing that messed the match up was the ending, of course, with Jon Stewart. But the match itself was really good, and I was there live, and that's uh, one of my favorite matches I've seen live. So, The only SummerSlam I was live for, so I give it up for that one. That was a good choice right there. Alex? Uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm just looking at the list. I'm just going to insert a couple that I don't think you guys have gone with. But first of all, I agree with both of the picks that I have in there. Love Charlotte Trish. Thank uh, you. And then, uh, the other shout as well. So for me, um, you don't have HBK and Razor uh, in the ladder. Oh. In in that was that was one of my honorable mentions in my article. <laughs> in my Before you before you go, I will say that because of my list, if you notice, there's a lot of ladder matches. The, the SummerSlam has been home for so many ladder matches that I didn't want to put too many ladder matches in my list, but I did mention that as my honorable mention, so I respect that choice. Yeah, um, I, I like it. You've got Rock Triple H in there from 98. That's a great ladder match. That is a great ladder match. Um, the other one, and, and, and I don't know if this really deserves to make your top 10, but I, I, I was there live for it, so similar to Chris G, I'm going I'm to campaign for it. I thought um, Lesnar, Reigns, Joe and Strowman put on a hell of a main event in two Oh, how did I forget about that? I was there live too. <laughs> Damn, like, that, that's actually like, a good match. That was that, like that was just chaos and fast, pure, like pure chaos. Brutal. I, I, it was amazing. Like, the crowd was red hot as well. Um, being there for it was awesome. Uh, being there for Enzo in the Shark Caves above Big Cat and Big Show wasn't so great. But, <laughs> Uh, but that main event, man, that was killer. That's what you pay your money for, man. So, yeah, that's that's there. I, I called that the Monster Mash. That That is the first ever pay-per-view that we reviewed here on True Hill Heat as we're, we're coming up two weeks away from our three-year anniversary. SummerSlam 2017 was the first SummerSlam we ever reviewed. And, yes, that is classic a classic main event i loved chrissy's choice probably the best woman's match that has ever taken place at SummerSlam. charlotte versus trish and seth versus john cena yes the only thing stopping it is the, the john stewart interference but that was the best match at yeah. the only SummerSlam that i was live for so i give it up to that one so the show no, no, the, the, the main event was the controversial ending to Brock Lesnar versus The Undertaker in, in oh. 2015. Yes, yes. I remember walking out the building being so confused by that finish where Brock made Undertaker tap and Undertaker still won. <laughs> <laughs> So that brings us to the top 10. Uh, coming in at my number 10 was the, the, one of the best matches from the 2001 SummerSlam. Coming on 19 years from that one for the WWF Championship. It was Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Kurt 
angle. This is the 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 I called it the greatest matchup at SummerSlam to have a non-finish. This this didn't have a finish, but this was a bloody, physically intense matchup. I remember Jr. on commentary losing his voice because he was so pissed off with uh, Austin because Austin attacked him earlier in the year. This is probably the gem of Austin's heel run and one of the gems of the whole invasion angle. I know we all have bad and separate, probably horrible memories from 2001 and that invasion angle, but I think this was one of the bright spots, the feud between Austin and Kurt Angle, and this was a great classic match in my opinion. Coming in at number 9 is one of the best stipulation matches that has ever taken place at SummerSlam as the Rated R Superstar Edge goes one-on-one with The Undertaker from the 2008 SummerSlam when The Undertaker once going out for vengeance. And I really remember this. I don't know if you guys remember the classic promo between Edge and Mick Foley on the cutting edge before this pay-per-view where Foley told Edge, you need to go to that dark side. And then Edge just looks up at Foley and it's like i know what i have to do and then beats the crap out of foley <laughs> puts him through a table class classic stuff he'll heal stuff one-on-one i loved edge at this time what's your memories of edge from this period in time chris oh no uh well obviously the the sex the live sex celebrations with lita i was <laughs> I, was, I was all for that but um <laughs> uh, of course no, you, all of you men uh, were all you young that, kids were. <laughs> during, that was during the time him and Mick Foley, um, that match they had at WrestleMania, the fucking, the, the no, the, was it, no disqualification, hardcore match, whatever. That whole rated R spiel that he had that whole year was great. So I, I was a fan of the match, obviously. Absolutely. What is your thoughts on Edge and Randy and uh, Undertaker as a feud, Alex? I called it one of the most underrated feuds in WWE history. It went from May of 2007 to this matchup in the Hell in a Cell in 2000, and August of 2008. Well, of course, they had the Mania match as well, which uh, yes. uh, a lot of people remember. And yeah, I, I thought it was a great, uh, a great mesh. And, and The Undertaker is someone who hasn't always had great opponents. WWE has a habit of going like, oh, and here's um, Giant Gonzalez, and, you know, like, random <laughs> people like that. he gets stuck with some stinkers. So I think Edge, and, and Edge, like, just to say, uh, back to what Chris Jesus said as well with, like, Foley, Foley's been the gateway for so many guys to, to then transition, and Edge is another one. Like, he, he really, Edge was, like, lurking around that, trying to get into the main event picture, and just around this time he did, and then, you know, him and Taker were great foils for each other. Absolutely. And coming in next at number eight is the earliest addition that I had to my list here from the 1991 SummerSlam in Madison Square Garden. Brett the Hitman Hart versus Mr. Perfect for the Intercontinental Championship. Another theme that I, I, two themes that I, off the bat, I have to say about this match. One is that unquestionably, in my eyes, I don't know about you guys, Mr. SummerSlam is Brett the Hitman Hart. And this started with this matchup. And number two, SummerSlam's had some of the greatest Intercontinental title matches ever. Like, like you. Alex mentioned about H- it. HBK versus Razor. You got this one. We're going to mention the one that followed this one the following year later on in the countdown. But Brett versus Perfect. Perfect is, in my eyes, one of the greatest superstars to never win the WWF championship. And he should have won Hulk Hogan. Happy birthday. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but, 
this right here is an example of Mr. Perfect elevating someone else. Bret Hart at the time was a tag team specialist, and this was his coming out party, winning the the WWF Intercontinental Championship in Madison Madison Square Garden in a classic battle for the Intercontinental Championship. The aforementioned, and me and Alex actually talked about this matchup a lot during our interview for True Hills BTR. Coming in at number seven is The Rock versus Triple H from the 1998 SummerSlam, the classic ladder matchup. And following up from Bret Hart's coming out party, this was the coming out party of two of the biggest superstars in WWE history. What are your memories about this match, Alex? The Rock's my guy, man. <laughs> he is. Um, listen, the, like you just said, it was so cool to be watching it at the time. And they weren't like on top of the card, but you mm-hmm. could just feel that they were coming, man. And the performances were there. The rivalry was real. Like, you know, I know they give it all this the PR rubbish today of like, oh, you know, we drove each other now. They didn't like each other, man. No. Um, no, they couldn't stand each other. Yep. Exactly. exactly. And you could feel <laughs> and it. And they showed it. Yep. It was great to watch, man. It really was. It was great. Um, and it was like, I mean, I was gutted, man, with like Triple H. Yeah, it was a weird dynamic with Triple H kind of being the face and all of that stuff. But um, to think that they had this and then how many more matches they had over the next, like, two or three years. Like, crazy. And I don't ever remember being like, I'm tired of Triple H in the Rock. I don't ever <laughs> no. that way. No. Like, in 2000, they faced each other. I, I would, I'm, I'm going to have to look it up. Like, a lot. Like, they, dominate, <laughs> they dominated the pay-per-views pretty much the, the year. And at no point was I like, man, I've had enough of these two. Because I could just watch people hate each other all the time. It, That's it, how it was back then, though. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. No, you're... It's one of the best rivalries ever, in my opinion. Not just WWE, WWF, but in wrestling ever. Triple H told me when I sat down with him. uh, That sounds like a really bad name drop, but it happened, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, drop it. Drop it more. Drop it more. Mm. Plug yourself, friend. Plug it in. Plug. (laughs) Uh, That he, basically, he campaigned. He wanted to face the Rocket Mania bad, like one-on-one, because he felt like, that of all their story in the rivalry makes sense, right? That they would actually like cap it off at WrestleMania. But so they were meant to have an Iron Man match at the 2000 WrestleMania. Wow. And then plans got changed because they wanted to bring Foley back. And then they put the big show in and they ended up doing that ridiculous McMahon in every corner thing. Right. And then you might remember that the Iron Man got pushed to judgment day. Yeah. But that was meant to be mania. Like, so that I think that would have been one of the all time mania matches if it had the chance on that platform and and you know that that was a great a great match as well so just crazy and then obviously he tried they tried to make it happen at 32 and and the rock said yes and then by the rumble we pulled out so man Mm -hmm. we were close but no cigar hey this is the time when the rock was making his stamp as the highest paid actor in hollywood so you kind of can can kind of understand his point of view Chrissy, before we move on to the next one, were you a DX or Nation girl in 1998? A DX. I, even me being a rock fan, I was more into DX. DX I, the and, I love, and, and I think the Nation got great once they, I think they got better once they, le- once they made Farouk leave, which is, you yeah. know, I, and I loved the Nation even before him. But I think once they got rid of him, it, they just elevated to another level. However, I was a DX fan. And, and, of course, we remember the classic DX parodying yes. the nation. Oh. Awesome stuff. I never yes. thought what Aaron Hill oh. in the nation, man. I never really understood that. Like, but He was, he was the Blackheart. Yeah. <laughs> I love, like, I love, no. Correlation. 
just because I loved Owen Hart, I was like, I'm going to let it go. But um, yeah. it, it, I actually it was, forgot he was a part of that group for a minute, though. I'm not even going to lie to you. It was it was more of those like the enemy of my enemy is my friend type of thing right. because Owen had been so like bullied by DX during that time ever since Brett left the company. Right, <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> Coming in at number six is probably the the latest addition on my list here: John Cena versus AJ Styles from the 2016 SummerSlam. This was another coming out party, but this is, in his own words, the match that made AJ Styles in the WWE. This was a dream match of mine from as early as like 2003, 2004, when AJ Styles was the face of TNA, and then his transition to New Japan and the Bullet Club. You just wanted to see him versus John Cena when he came to the WWE and after his two stellar matches with Roman Reigns this was the perfect transition and it led to his heel turn it led to him becoming the WWE champion champion without this match AJ Styles does not become the top guy that he is today in the WWE and this is a tremendous match you can go back and watch it today tomorrow five years from now and it will still live up some of these near falls were amazing and it just had the Barclay Center crowd on their feet. Okay. Yep. <laughs> any, any memories from this one, guys? I'll, I'll just quickly say that I thought the Rumble match was better, but that doesn't actually take away from how good this is. Do you know what I'm right. saying? Like, mm-hmm. This is great, but like the Rumble was just... It was like I, the best match of the year contender, so... I agree. I agree. The Rumble match was just a tick, a tick better. And, and to me, it mainly was the stakes for the WWE Championship and the fact that AJ was 2-0 versus Cena made it, mm-hmm. made it that much. Coming in at number five, Alex, you just talked about this one on your podcast with uh, Louis, Louis Dangor. TLC number one. Edge and Christian versus the Dudley Boys versus the Hardy Boys from Re- from SummerSlam 2000. 20 years ago now today, guys. And do any of you guys feel old saying that? Yeah, 2000 what? <laughs> this was the, the year 2000. Bro. In my opinion, I said it on WrestleTalk. <laughs> The greatest, the greatest year in WWE history is 2000, and this is one of the biggest matches of that year. It was, at the time, this was another breakout performance. These guys broke out at WrestleMania 2000 in the triangle ladder match, but they took it one step further in the summer with TLC number one, and I always remember Mick Foley's famous promo before this when he told Edge and Christian, tables, ladders, and chairs, oh my! Tables, ladders, and chairs, oh my! <laughs> what a time to be a lot like he said man what a time great time best time of wrestling what are your memories from tlc one trissy mick foley saying that crazy promo you're just sitting there like a kid like wow that shit is so freaking cool and it, and it rhymed and it was great it was like oh you just made you more excited just to see these things as a little kid you like they're gonna die they're gonna die no they're really gonna die and you like you've seen them just like flip over it was like those bumps that they had in that in that match was just like like you could not tell me those those guys was not like dead <laughs> after that match. Like to go home and just like, damn, like I, am I still alive? Am I okay? Like th- that was the time to watch wrestling, man. Especially as a, like a young kid that loved wrestling from as like little to watch those guys like give that stellar performance was just like amazing. And I know Chris, you love your flippy shit, and this is a predecessor <laughs> for all flippy, flippy shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your memories of this one? This is actually number one on my list. This is my favorite, t- my favorite SummerSlam match ever. Um, 
we were already kind of, well, me personally, I was already kind of preconditioned to the table matches because of the first table match that I had seen in Royal Rumble 2000, which was the Hardys and the Dudleys. So, you know, being preconditioned and thinking, oh man, people are going to go through tables and shit. But this was the first match that I've seen people accidentally go through tables, get knocked off of shit and just fall through tables and a whole bunch of destruction. So it just brought a whole new element to me. It wasn't my favorite TLC match. Because of WrestleMania, the, the following year, obviously, yeah. but but yeah, but Facts. but in terms <laughs> of just like innovating and just showing me something completely new as a child, mm-hmm. this shit just takes the cake. Mm-hmm. And Alex, I gotta ask you because I saw this on the on the podcast notes. Besides The Rock, one of your all time favorites is Christian. So tell him. us about your love of Christian. I love Christian. Um, I, I he's just. It, that sounds like you know he's not in parity with the rock like come on now like i mean uh, <laughs> but uh, i do love christian he's one of those who like for me i felt like he was undersold for years like you know, mm. look at these six men in this match right four go on to be world champions in wwe i know matt hardy's was the ecw but yeah come on yeah um, and, and bubba wins the tna as well so really like very successful group of of performers but for me, I always felt in terms of actual in-ring work, it's, it, maybe Christian wasn't the sexiest performer, like per se, but he was very smooth and he, he made everyone around him look so good. I thought he had great charisma. Very funny. He's one of the most naturally funny guys. You, you, you know, if you've ever watched or listened to the pod or ENC stuff, he's very funny. <laughs> yes. Um, and yeah, I, it's just everything about him. I was like, man, I just really like him. You know, he gravitates to guys sometimes. And um, I was totally there for it when he finally like returned, and then he had the thing with Randy, and he you know finally arrived. That was yeah, that to me that was so deserving. And then, like people say, very common theme that he's one of the you know imagine that one of the greatest workers ever. People consider yeah. as far as just being a hand goes, people like he's he's one of the all time greats. Like and you have to really study what he does to appreciate it. I think, but man, mm-hmm. what what a talent he was. I'm just so glad that he got his due in the end. Uh, I met him at Royal Rumble. And um, so like we were, st- I was staying in the same hotel as WWE, and I, 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 and I, and I walked in, and, and I was, I literally just checked in, and I was on my way, and he was coming out of the elevator, and I was just on my way walking to there, and like it was one of them, like we were passing, I like didn't have time to be like, oh, I won't put anything, none of that, so I was just like, <laughs> and, I, and I didn't, I didn't even get a chance, so like he, as he was passing, I just went, Christian. Should have went, Christian. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> great, great theme music, um, and he. Uh, and he just went, Christian, uh, hi, like, uh, you know, uh, a big fan, nice to meet you. And he went, yeah, nice to meet you, kid, and kept walking. Like, I didn't even, yeah. like, I didn't even stop him. I was just like, oh, I had, I had to say something. So that was it. Love it, love it. It just reminds me that Christian finally got his due when he went to TNA. That was, like, my time. And I loved Christian Cage, baby. And sometimes, and- yeah, man, sometimes you need that little, you know, that little, uh, oh, Drew McIntyre's a good example. Yeah, mm-hmm. and even before that, the probably the biggest missed opportunity of 2005, in my opinion, is Christian not getting a world title match against John Cena. That Captain Charisma, dorky, nerdy character versus the Doctor of Thugonomics would have been gold. Yeah. Mm. He was deserving of a lot more, a lot more. Absolutely. We got to move on to number four is Brock Lesnar going one-on-one with CM Punk from the 2013 Su- SummerSlam, probably the best Double main event in SummerSlam history. This one along with John Cena versus Daniel Bryan. But I felt like this one was the slightly of the better of the two. This was hard hitting. This was 
high impact and this match not not the Brock Lesnar breaking the streak this is the match that brought Brock Lesnar back to the Brock that we remembered in 2002-2003 this is Brock Lesnar and then from here he just went on a war path from two, from 2013 all the way into 2015 what's your best memory of this match Chris Oh, uh, I love CM Punk. I'm a CM Punk mark, so this, <laughs> this this is one of my favorite SummerSlam matches. I have it like two or three on my own list. Um, but I agree with you. This is the first match that Brock came back, and I seen him, and I was like, "Fucking Brock is still Brock," and we yeah. have to remember that. And he can still put on some some great matches if he's willing to. Um, the fact that Punk got that match out of him, the whole Paul Heyman. Uh, Storyline yes. in between him turning on Punk and going back with Brock. I mean, everything surrounding that was just magical. And it was physical. They they beat each other up. It just, man, I just love that match. Classic. And speaking of classics, from the 1992 SummerSlam, and I said this in my article, has there ever been a SummerSlam that looked more awesome in Alice's home country, <laughs> London, England, at Wembley <laughs> Stadium? Brett the Hitman Hart goes one-on-one with the British Bulldog. I will just let you guys know and let the viewers I know at home know I got a lot of heat from my wife. My wife was there live as a four-year-old at Wembley Stadium in 1992 at SummerSlam. She sat, she said, she sat four seats away from Diana Hart. So she goes back and watches this event continuously over and over <laughs> again years later to try to find herself in the crowd and she was pissed off with me for not making this my number one this is the classic intercontinental championship matchup the first time the ic title main evented a pay-per-view brett versus bulldog just masterpiece this is brett hart showing the ring general that he was and this is the match that led vince to say brett i'm gonna give you the world title and this is british bulldog's greatest match ever alex yeah. any memories of this one Oh man, it's just one of my earliest memories, and and it's, some, it's something I think British fans are weirdly proud of. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's close to our hearts, and it's weird that WWE haven't really given us anything like that since, because <laughs> I, I feel like the event was such a success. But um, man, if you've if, I don't know if any of you have read Bret Hart's book, but like he talks about that match where like British Bulldog was like blown up, like he's <laughs> he's like knackered, right? Because Bret Hart is just elite, and. Uh, Man, it just shows you how good Bret Hart is that he mapped all of that out and he carried that shit, man. Like, he is literally, like you said, I mean, people are saying Seth Rollins is Mr. SummerSlam now, but I think they got short memories because Bret Hart was that guy. Yeah. And, yeah, like, like I said, it's just, it's so great because that memory is dear to a lot of British fans, but the main event just made it. Without it, it's probably not as esteemed. Absolutely. This just had to main event that show, even with Macho Man and Ultimate Warrior in a rematch from WrestleMania 7 for the WWF <laughs> Championship. They forget that because the main event was that great. Yeah, yeah, they don't even remember that that was a match was also on the card. And <laughs> speaking of Mr. SummerSlam, coming in at number two is, in my opinion, Brett's K-Resistance when it came to SummerSlam. Brett versus Owen from the 1994 SummerSlam inside of a steel cage. The culmination of one of the greatest rivalries in WWF history. Owen versus Brett, the battle of the brothers. Owen being the annoying little brother who wanted, who was so jealous of his older brother Brett. He defeated him at WrestleMania 10 and he became the King of the Hearts at King of the Ring 1994 with the help of 
Jim the Anvil of Nightheart. You had the whole Hart family in the crowd in Chicago, Illinois, in the United Center, and every person was on their feet for a steel cage match that didn't have one drop of blood. It was all about right. escaping the cage and the struggle of two brothers trying to escape the cage and prove who was the better man. What is your memories of Brett versus Owen, Chrissy? Um, just the, the, the story, the, just what Owen and Brett brought to the table for, uh, for me, especially after they had the WrestleMania match, like, like you said, they didn't have any blood in a cage match, but it was just the pops and the, the wrestling and trying just to escape and that just that Owen's hatred for being in the shadow and just wanted to be greater, just wanted to be better and just wanted to show that he can do it and prove to his family to, you know. Well, there. That's why I like the match. Um, and just this, this, just the story of it alone. Great story. Like from how long the story was, it just, it just kept playing out. And then he was the king of hearts. Like it was even, he was even more annoying. The annoying, annoying little brother that just like leave me alone. <laughs> like you've done it already. Stop. Why do I need to do it more? But he, he was great. Yes. And and I, I like I said, I said this to a couple of people who commented on my article for Sports Kita. Any of these top six could have been my number one, but my number one came down to one little thing. Just go back and watch the video package for this number one matchup. Shawn Michaels versus Triple H from SummerSlam 2002 is my number one greatest SummerSlam match of all time. The buildup to this is perfect. It's perfect. It was Sean coming off of lackluster run with the NWO, bringing Triple H from SmackDown to Raw, reuniting DX, and that classic moment where Triple H says, uh, let's get ready to suck it, and kicks Shawn Michaels in the stomach, penagrees him. Then the following week, they have have this face-to-face -face battle, and Sean is mysteriously tacked in the back. Triple H doesn't even find out. He has a, a staff member come out and let him know that Sean got attacked in the back. Then Triple H acts concerned. He says he's going to find who attacked Sean. And then they had the CCTV footage that zoomed in. And it revealed that it was Triple H himself that attacked Sean. And then Sean with the broken down face, the bloody stitched up face saying, It was you. It was you, Hunter. <laughs> and this leads to Shawn Michaels' return from injury after four years out in the non-sanctioned match. I called it not only the greatest matchup in SummerSlam mystery, but this is the greatest SummerSlam match at the greatest SummerSlam ever. SummerSlam 2002, in my opinion, is one of the top five greatest shows in WWE history. Any thoughts on this number one pick and your thoughts on the matchup and the list overall? I'll start with you, Alex. I mean, man, I can't argue with that. Like, you know, the, the match itself was it just bang. It was so, so good. Um, and, and it was like even the little things, like I said, all the storytelling that was like laden in it and Shawn Michaels and where he could go again, and like even when he's like he does like the moonsault and he's like, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't get that again or not. Like the little things, it was just so so good. But the action was just it, it's, it's it's seldom do you get a build like that and like a return like that, and you're like, oh man, like this is going to be amazing. Like I'll give an example, like Edge when he came back at WrestleMania. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's a match. Like, he's a good. <laughs> You know, it happened, like him and Randy, and it, it, they, they made it so it had to be that way, violent and whatnot. But it wasn't like the edge that really you wanted. Do you know what I mean? But this was the HBK at the top of his game. And you're like, how is this possible? Like, it's, it was just amazing, man. But look, to quickly actually touch on, you're right, 2002, because, of course, you know, Rock and 
uh, and Lesnar in the main event. But let me tell you, Kurt Angle and Rey Mysterio, <laughs> like, man, let me tell you, there were some matches on that card that were absolutely amazing. And uh, yeah, I, I can't disagree with anything you've said. I, and people forget matches like Rob Van Dam versus Chris Benoit for the Intercontinental Championship were on this card. Harvey D had Jeff Hardy and it was fire. Like Harvey D was a guy as well, but yeah. RVD, yeah, he's another little like underrated Mister SummerSlam when it comes to when you think about his list of uh, great matches. But I, I this this list was so much fun to do, and I want to appreciate you guys for helping me along with this ride to end off True Hill Heat '87. So our final plug for True Hill Heat '87. I want to thank Alex once again for joining us on this edition of True Hill Heat. Uh, before we get your plugs for everything that you're doing a plug for our lineup on the youtube channel you guys got an all new all elite recap true rewind and going raw with drunk guy jj featuring romeo are all up on the youtube channel right now a new dark power will be up this weekend our official true hill heat trailer that aired at the end of warrior wrestling friday night lights is up on our youtube channel right now as well as our official 1k subscribers giveaway chrissy love wants us to hit 1k for our youtube channel by the fall so we are helping that ride along the way we will be giving away a number of old school wwe t-shirts including wow. brock, brock brock lesnar's first ever t-shirt triple h's return t-shirt that he wore when he bloody Shawn michaels in that parking lot in the lead up to SummerSlam 2002 that is one of the shirts we're giving away as well and we are not just giving it away to our 1000 subscriber we are giving it away to anyone who helps get more subscribers to our youtube channel so our 1k giveaway check out that video and find out how you can join the 1k giveaway alex tell them where they can find you on social media and everything else you are doing you're a busy man sir uh, <laughs> um so yeah it's alex m underscore talksport on twitter that's pretty much the hub of everything that i do so feel free to hit me there i've got the same handle on instagram but unless you want to check out my kids i wouldn't worry um <laughs> I, is that the one with your kids, friend? Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, there's talksport.com forward slash wrestling where you'll find all my interviews. Uh, normally getting a couple in a week. Uh, and I've got my show on Monday, so get the Talksport app. Talk Wrestling, 6 to 8 over here, UK time. And I think that's it. Uh, <laughs> and I've got a YouTube channel, but, yeah, you know. <laughs> I, I love your YouTube channel. Yes, where you get the full interviews, and I actually saw your one with Triple H. You could—that's why I said you could drop that bomb anytime. That Triple H interview was quality stuff, sir. Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Chrissy Love, where can they find you? Um, I am the sensationalist Chrissy Love. You can find me here on True Hell Heat, one of the uh, three hosts here. Um, you can find me on IG, which is uh, uh, Chrissy Love underscore or Miss Chrissy Love, and you can find me on Facebook. You'll probably see my kids there. Um, <laughs> other than that, uh, I'm on Twitter as well, and uh, SmackDown with the Liches will be back next week. And Chris G, you know, you got plenty of shows to plug. <laughs> yeah, you can find me here on True Hill Heat every once in a while. You can <laughs> find me on the Wednesday Night Warriors with my man Romeo Anthony Colon, where we break down the Wednesday Night Wars. Uh, Joints and Jabronis is a monthly edition. Uh, we'll have the August episode at the end of the month. And you can follow me on Instagram at spick underscore flair underscore woo three O's. Uh, you will also see just pictures of my beautiful daughter. And on Facebook, type in Chris G 
find the most Hispanic last name you can find, then it's probably me. <laughs> <laughs> and are you a family show this is? Everyone's got kids. Go yep. on. Everyone has kids, yep. Absolutely. 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 I've got the most Irish name. It's great. <laughs> to be fair, this has got an Irish name there. <laughs> I'll take it. I do. <laughs> That's why she loves Becky so much. (laughs) So uh, you guys can follow the True Heels on our Facebook group page as well as True Heel Heat logo right here. If you need to know the spelling of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, you can follow me on Instagram, True Heel underscore Epic SP3. Yes, you will see plenty of pictures of my five-month-old twins. And of course, our fellow co-host for True Heel Heat. He has been very missed, our resident True Heel alcohol. JJ! Top Guy JJ is at True Heel underscore Top Guy JJ. He will be back with us in two weeks' time for our our very special three-year anniversary of True Heel Heat is going to be a big episode, and Top Guy JJ's return makes it even bigger. And next week on True Heel Heat, I we will complete our holy trinity of wrestling journalists. We had on True Heel Heat 83, Tom Conahill of Sports Kita. We had right here on True Heel Heat 87, our good friend Alex McCarthy of Talk Sports. And on True Heel Heat 88, we will have the my god father of sports Kita, gary cassidy will be on true hill heat next week (laughs) absolutely good brother right there and facebook twitter instagram and youtube follow our independent promotion partners prattle club pro and warrior wrestling our good friends over at wrestling travel or just 10 subscribers away from 1k subscribers so go over there and subscribe to them help them hit 1k like alex said before he's got a youtube channel you can look him up and once again one of our true one of the the trinity of wrestling journalists tom Connohue, he's about to approach that 1k mark himself so go over and subscribe to him as well itunes soundcloud anchor spotify you can listen to this episode of true hill heat on any of your audio platforms so for our very special guest alex mccarthy of torque sports for the princess of all the true heels, Miss Chrissy Love. Laters. Thank you. For Mr. Joints and Jabronis, Chris G. <laughs> what a name. <laughs> it is me, it is me, your True Hill Feedob SP3. This has been True Hill Heat 87 until True Hill Heat 88. We are signing off until next time.